With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Pascal Siakam is a pacer. We examine both sides of this week's mega trade, both for Indiana and Toronto, and a very detailed pulse take on two of the Western Conference's top teams. We go inside on both the Thunder and the Clippers. All that next on the latest edition of This League Uncut. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's showtime! This league and cut is underway and on fire! This should be a good one. Hey everyone, welcome in to another edition of This League Uncut. Chris Haynes and me, Mark Stein, recording on a Thursday night. A Thursday night that brings us just inside three weeks until the NBA trade deadline, February 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern. So less than three weeks now until the trade buzzer sounds. And two of the foremost talents that were expected to be in play during this trade season have now both been moved, both by the Toronto Raptors. OG Ananobi, of course, dispatched to the Knicks on December 30th. And Wednesday... Mid-January, Pascal Siakam, his lengthy and successful tenure as a Toronto Raptor is over. I think Siakam's first choice deep down was that that long-term arrangement could have been hashed out with the Raptors where he developed from the number 27 pick into a two-time All-NBA selection. But if it wasn't going to be Toronto, I think it's become clear in the last 48 hours, given all the signals we've been getting about how happy Siakam is to land with the Pacers, how teams around the league are already considering Siakam's re-signing with the Pacers to be a formality. I think it is fair to say that Indiana is where he wanted to end up if it couldn't be a further extended stay in Toronto. Chris Haynes, I know you've been on the run this week, on the road. Siakam to Indiana. Give me your first reactions. I said it. I did a a BR Live session last Friday, and that's where I said that Siakam will be moved. They are parting ways. Siakam and the Raptors are parting ways. And I can't remember if I said it on this pod. I don't think we did a pod after that. But it it became inevitable that his last days were – we were in the the presence of his last days. So, you know, when the trade went down, Indiana Pacers, obviously, I I, I think – and I think I said on my live at that time, you know, the Pacers were in – prime position Stein because they felt like well if if nothing could be done as far as a trade by the February 8th deadline they felt very comfortable by being able to sign them as a free agent over in the summer you know they had the cap space to do that so 
you know, I, I think it's clear to say that Pascal wanted to end up in Indiana and he was going to get there either way, whether that was going to be now or whether that's going to be months from now in the summer. But uh, Toronto, I think they figured, you know, they didn't want to lose Pascal for, for nothing. Um, and I think they were able to come out with a fine haul, three first-round picks in return. So uh, I think it ended up working out for both parties. But Indiana was in prime position. They, they, they felt like they were going to get Pascal one way or the other. I think you're right. I think as this process rumbled on, certainly there were a handful of teams that inquired about Pascal Siakam, but nobody was going to be offering as much as the Pacers were. And even though, yes, the Pacers theoretically could have created the salary cap room to do this in the summertime, I think they're very relieved to get it done now to get the deal done get Siakam in, in season. They inherit his bird rights, of course, so they don't have to worry about creating salary cap space. They can now sign him comfortably. And look, Indiana was able to do this. The Raptors really wanted Benedict Maturin or Jairus Walker or even Andrew Nebhard or even Jalen Smith. And the Pacers were able to get this deal done without including any of those prized for young rising developing players. So I think the Raptors ultimately looked around, you know, Sacramento was not going to trade Keegan Murray in a Siakam deal, you know, golden state. Yes, they did inquire, but you know, they certainly don't have, I think the easy to move trade assets like Indiana, Indiana just had more trade assets than really any other team in this chase. And that's why I think it just became apparent to Toronto that, yeah, they could, if they wanted to, they could play this thing out all the way to the deadline. But was the offer really going to get better than what Indiana put on the table now? And I think they came to the conclusion that the realistic answer was no. And by doing the trade now, when they did, they still have almost three weeks to see what else they can do. And when Masai Ujiri held a very lengthy and emotional press conference earlier Thursday. He went for a full hour talking about both the Ananobi and Siakam trades. He was asked if more moves are coming, and he said definitely. He didn't even try to deny it. And so Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown's contract cannot be aggregated with any other players, but it's $22 million this season. It's a team option for team next option. season. Correct. 23 million. So it doesn't get more trade friendly than that. We're going to see now. Will Toronto end up moving on Bruce Brown as well? Uh, back to Siakam for a little bit, Stein. You know, you talked about the Kings were not willing to include Keegan Murray into a deal, which is what I heard as well. But Siakam didn't want to go there to Sacramento. And there's something that went down there that soured Siakam on Sacramento. I'm not prepared to say that now, but there's something that happened, something that was said, something that happened, something that occurred. Say it now. That, Tell that us soured. now. Oh, oh, hey. I don't know if I have, you know, I, I think we had to wait on that. But there, there's something that happened. That as long soured. as you eventually tell us. <laughs> that's something, yeah, that's something that soured of Siakam on Sacramento. Um, I think he would have been, had things been handled differently, I think um, he would have been open to doing something um, long-term in Sacramento. But that's not a hero there now. What's done is done. He's in Indiana. They they were a, they were a pretty good team before Adam um, Siakam. Now he, he only makes them even more potent. So they're going to be a really scary team offensively. Uh, they're going to have another edge now. They got somebody you can you can get a ball to and get a bucket. So, uh, it, it, you know, the East has gotten a little bit more interesting for sure. Well, look, the reality is, and you could say this about Sacramento, you could say it about Philly, you could say it about Dallas. When you already, and look, Philly doesn't officially have 
two max guys yet, but we know that the Philadelphia 76ers ultimately will max Tyrese Maxey. And so Sacramento has Fox and Sabonis. Dallas, you've got Luka and Kyrie. Philadelphia will ultimately have Embiid and Maxey on max deals. And so the kind of contract that Siakam is going to be expecting in free agency, I think it's a difficult fit for all those teams. There are not many teams in today's NBA that really want to have three maxed out guys because you're guaranteed to wind up in the second apron and then you lose so much roster building flexibility. And look what's going on in Phoenix right now. Yes, when Durant and Booker and Bradley Beal are all on the floor and all healthy, they're dangerous. They can pose a lot of problems for your defense, but they haven't been very healthy as a trio in their first half season together. They're surrounded by players on minimum and smallish type contracts, and they just don't have a lot of flexibility to go out and get more. So I can understand the Kings hesitancy there when they have so much invested already in Fox and Sabonis. I mean, it makes more sense to, you know, let Keegan Murray develop, let him play out his rookie scale contract and, you know, see if he can be your third guy because he's definitely shown the flashes. Yeah. I mean, Kings, but they're going to, the Kings are a team that's looking for help. You know, they're, they've hit, hit a rough, rough patch here. Um, Classic Mike Brown. Classic Mike Brown bringing that laptop to the podium. Oh, that was that was classic. <laughs> love Mike Brown. Love Mike Brown. But uh, yeah, I was yeah, thinking if going... we have him back on the pod, is he going to bring a laptop to the pod? <laughs> well, I think he has to. I think you have to do this pod on the laptop. So, but yeah, he he has to bring another one to show us to break down the play for sure. But um, uh, yeah, I mean the the trade deadline February eighth is not not done. Toronto, as you mentioned, I with Bruce Brown, that's in a very attractive, not only um, his salary and the way his contract is structured is attractive, but he's an attractive player for, for teams that are looking for perimeter defensive help. Um, you have teams like, hey, Phoenix, Milwaukee. Um, who else can I throw out there who are lo- looking for a player of that? Well, it's funny. The that Knicks have been mentioned with Bruce Brown, Knicks, and I yeah, do the think Knicks. the Knicks have some interest there. But I've also been hearing with the Knicks, I think their kind of top choice is a scoring guard, someone who can more fit in the mold of what they lost when they traded Emmanuel quickly as part of the Ananobi deal. And you know, Bruce Brown, great cutter, great off the ball, but like he's not really what you would classify as a scoring guard. I think more along the lines of that kind of player is a Jordan Clarkson. Now, I don't know if the Knicks can actually get Jordan Clarkson, but no, the Knicks are undeniably um, in that Bruce Brown mix. We'll we'll see ultimately what direction the Knicks go. I do think this, you know, I can't tell you who it will be. I do think the Knicks have at least one more move in them because like the Raptors with Bruce Brown, the Knicks have a very trade friendly contract with Evan Fournier making what 18, 19 million this season. And then on a big team option next season. So the Knicks can make a move with Fournier's deal and draft compensation and make at least one more upgrade before the deadline. And I think you're absolutely right. I'm not sitting here saying that the Kings are fine and don't need any upgrades. I mean, as of Thursday's play, they were 17th in defense, which we know is something that Mike Brown does not want to see, but more concerning, they're 14th in offense. They were number one in offense last season. So the Kings are definitely going to try to get something done using Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, all three of those guys are in play to varying degrees, but I just wonder if the Kings, you know, they do they just need a solid addition as opposed to another star presence? 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Siakam trade is obviously the headline of the week. And I have to say, I spent a good amount of my Thursday watching the Masai Ujiri press conference. Very interesting because, you know, he made his two trades and then did come to the podium earlier today and and fielded every question that the Toronto media threw at him, which whatever you think of the strategies, the trade approach that the Raptors have taken last season and this season, it was refreshing to see that. And hear that because there's no question that the Raptors have faced a ton of criticism for their inaction at last season's trade deadline. And I wrote about this Thursday on my Substack. I have not sensed a huge amount of regret over the past year from the Raptors in terms of how they handled Fred Van Vliet's final season as a Raptor. The Raptors certainly could have traded Van Vliet last season, but based on everything I've been told, they felt the offers were pretty underwhelming in nature. One that I've heard about is, you know, they could have sent him to the Clippers for Luke Kennard and what I would say a modest amount of draft compensation. And the Raptors felt like Fred's a former all-star, a fan favorite, a member of that unforgettable championship team in Toronto, a key member of that team. They didn't want to just send him away for such a modest return. And so they decided to trade for Jakob Pertl and give Scotty Barnes, Siakam, Ananobi, and Van Vliet, give that quartet one last chance, one last ride. And you got to throw Nick Nurse in there because it was one last ride with Nurse as the Raptors coach. And it obviously didn't work out. The Raptors did not exactly finish last season with a flourish. And so naturally, a lot of the questions today were focused on should they have acted sooner? Do they have regrets in not trading Ananobi or Siakam sooner? Only time will tell and allow us to give the proper judgment on it. But look, I think you could say, I mean, the Raptors are optimistic about the haul they got back for Ananobi. No, you know, last season, of course, you heard they want three first, they want four first, but, you know, they're counting on Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett as young players who have a lot of upside. They think that's going to work as a more productive return for Ananobi. Again, only time will tell there. When it comes to Siakam, you know, and we still, this is, you know, you mentioned some stuff about Siakam and Sacramento that hasn't emerged yet. And I'm sure I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm sure when the right time arrives and when you can fully report it, I know you will. Um, But you know, something else that we need to kind of get to the bottom of what was the best Toronto really could have done had they traded Siakam last summer. 
and more reporting has to be done on this. I went on the Raptors show in Toronto this week and said the same thing. I don't have all the answers. I've got to dig in a little bit more on this. But based on where we are now reporting-wise, the best indication is that you know Atlanta's best offer for Siakam in the summer is believed, underline believed, believed to have topped out at DeAndre Hunter, A.J. Griffin, and a future first. I don't know how stringently that future first would be protected, but if that was really the best offer that Toronto had, I think they can make the case. They're going to have to ultimately prove it with what they do with the picks and how they move from here, but they can make the case that trading Siakam for Bruce Brown's deal and three firsts that they can do more with that than what they could have done had they taken Atlanta's offer. But again, we have to confirm and make sure that that was indeed the best thing on the table for the Raptors. All right, we've gone on about the Siakam trade enough. Again, that obviously is the major, major headline in the league this week. But, you know, I always want to hear about your tales from the road. And you were on the sidelines for Thunder Clippers the other night. So the floor is yours. I've rambled on enough. Give us give us some L.A. stories about what uh, what you heard and saw in Clipperland the other night. This was my first time seeing the OKC Thunder up and close this season. So I was really looking forward to catching up with SGA and that young group chat and those guys and I'm gonna tell you right now the Thunder they are they are ecstatic uh, just about the 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 core guys that they have and and not just on the court just just good guys that they are good locker room really good locker room uh, I spoke with Jalen Williams a little bit chopped it up with SGA uh, for a little bit as well um. One thing that that kind of caught me, not by surprise, but I was a little, I'm like, you know, I, it was some, it was, it was something I didn't consider before. So I spoke with Jalen Williams, and, you know, the second year guard who's doing tremendous over there, and OKC starts, they start a positionless starting five. You know, they really have, they're really starting. You could make a case they're probably starting four. Point guards and then Chet. Um, if not point guards, then just you know, just guards who 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 need the ball in their hands. You know, I was talking with Jalen about that. He's he's listed technically. I guess you could say he's the power forward. You know, you got Josh Giddy and Shea in the back backcourt. Then you have Lou Dort, and you got Jalen Williams then Chet. And so I asked Jalen about just you know what are the benefits. Of, uh, of, of pros and cons of, you know, starting a lineup like that because you guys look like you you are, you know, everybody look like everybody knows where they're supposed to be and they understand each other's game. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, at times it's tough. It's a struggle because we're all guards and a lot of us are lead guards and we need the ball in our hands. So he said, so while it may look pretty and seamless to you and everybody else, he said a lot of times it's hard, you know, because we 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 need the ball in our hands. I need the ball in my hands. And, you know, I like to handle the ball, bring the ball up, initiate the offense. He said so does Josh Giddy. He said so does SGA. And so he said, yeah, it's problematic sometimes. He said, but we do a good job of tr- in trying to play the right way. And he said, and, it, and it's work. And that, but that caught me by surprise. I didn't I didn't expect him to have such a candid answer a candid response to that and if you look at you know you look at the dynamic of that team a lot of young guys a lot of young guys a lot of shooters a lot of guards uh they're they're you know that is a well-packaged um team that you know and they definitely have the the assets um to do something big eventually but uh, yeah you know, and you that, know what that, everyone that, says everyone everyone thinks that they're going to do something at this deadline and I really don't. And again, it's not based on reporting. 
just it's based on years and years and years of watching Sam Presti. And I just know he's always going to be patient when he can. And just my instinct, I'm, you know, maybe you got some of this vibe when you were with those guys. I do wonder to really evaluate that team and decide what they need next. Do they need to see them in a playoff series first before they can really evaluate exactly what they have? Does this lineup approach you're talking about really work in the postseason? Like just something tells me that letting this team make a playoff run and then making decisions about trades. That just seems the safer forecast when we're talking about the thunder. Yeah. And talking to the the thunder, my thunder people over there, they're very happy with this roster. I I have, I'd have no, I haven't heard anything, any scutterbugs or anything that suggests that they will make a move at the deadline. I think, to what you said, Stein, I think they at least want to see this thing through in the playoffs to see if this has the potential to be effective, the potential to work. It's one thing in a regular season, but, uh, you know, to see if this is, you know, see if this is sustainable in the postseason. So I, I, I would agree with your with your uh, sentiment on that. And so, Stein, another thing. So, you know, one thing about being a silent reporter, you get to go and kind of check out the timeout huddles and listen in and you know it's cool it depends on depends on what team you're you're around you know some teams have players that don't talk much quiet if you got a younger if you have a younger group it's probably not that not that much talking but if you got an older experienced group a lot of talking a lot of talking a lot a lot of a lot of shit talking by the way you know that's 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 what i like to hear i like to get all you know see you know, see how they talk to one another, see how they talk uh, about the opposing teams. So, Stein, I, I, at a certain point during the game, I'm at the Clippers timeout huddle. And the Clippers, Westbrook is the most vocal player on that team. He is the vocal leader. Since day one, he he's took that mantle. That's, that's him. So it's always cool hearing what he has to say. So, uh, so they call a timeout. And I, I go stand behind a timeout huddle. And at this point, Russ is subbed out. He he got subbed out. Uh rotation. Uh it was just it was just his time to come out. And as people know, there are two rows to a bench. And so I'm actually standing behind the second row. So Russ comes over where I'm at during the timeout and he picks up a stat sheet looking at his stats and he says he looks at me and says Chris nobody scores on me nobody ain't nobody fucking scoring on me you say that first team all D right here I'm like oh okay so I guess uh, Stein, you know I guess uh, Russ would like us to pay a little bit more attention to his defense because uh, he believes he's playing at a very high level. I, I wasn't expecting that. He came over and let me know. Ain't nobody scoring on him. Now, now before, you know, I don't want people, the aggregators just chop this up and, 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 and go crazy. Obviously, this is the NBA, and players are going to get scored on. That happens. But I, th- I think, I think uh, Russ was kind of uh, just throwing it out there a little bit that he wants people to, Take note of what he's doing on that end of the, of the basketball. So I that that was a <laughs> that was a first for me for for, for a player to come in and say something like that to me while I'm just chilling in the background. Have, now, as you have know, you noticed I didn't, anything on Russ? Go ahead, Stop. I didn't do as much sideline as you. Um, I really only did it for radio, and I only did it at the All Star Game and the finals. Um, I never. I, I mean, I'm trying to think if I've ever even done a regular season game. I'm not, maybe I have done one or two. Yeah, I've probably done one or two for radio, but not many. But it's so funny. I know we've talked about this before. I remember when I started doing sideline, I was taught the main thing was do not make eye contact with the coach. Listen in on the huddle, but do not make eye contact with the coach. I think it was Rick Buecher who gave me that pearl of wisdom. And here you are, screw that. You're just like talking to Russ. Hey. 
during the timeout. <laughs> Am I talking to Russ or is Russ talking to me? Well, <laughs> it depends you how know? you look at it. Well, that, you know, again, that doesn't happen often. You know, of course, there is little, um, you know, there are coaches that see you and, you know, the the um, secondary coaches, the coaches that sit on that second row, they, you know, they may see you, they give you some daps, say what's up. And then there are some players that, that give you the head nod, what's up when they see you. But um, there's not too much interaction that I that I get. You know, you may have LeBron may cuss me out or something or, uh, you know, a playful cuss out when he see me, you know, things like that. But no, no conversations. And uh, I wouldn't even consider that a conversation. But Russ was just letting me know I was in the vicinity. And um, I think he was playing. I I would have to go back and look at the tape, but he might have been his assignment might have been SGA. Um right before he got subbed out. And so I think he was feeling good. You know, it's feeling good about himself. But look, I think, uh, again, I think he's in a, in a, in a subtle way. is wants people to, um, you know, acknowledge his defensive prowess. And that's, that's one thing Ty Lue talks about that Russ brings the intensity on, on both ends. And he talked about them particularly um, on that end, on the defensive end. So I think people need to start checking them out. Russ, you know, Russ is putting it out there. All well, it's interesting because you have you had that vantage point that most of us don't have to actually watch how these guys all interact during a timeout and a stoppage. So I guess the interesting thing is, I mean, I think Russell Westbrook deserves tons of credit. He has embraced this six-man role. He's the one who sent himself to the bench basically when the James Harden era got off to such a bad start and but I mean, you you've now seen it. You're you know, you have a firsthand up close account. I mean, if he's the vocal leader, they must be listening and open to that for him to be so vocal, which is interesting. He's only playing 23 minutes a game. There are. Man, four or five Clippers playing more minutes per game than Russ. So how effective do you think it is when he's being so vocal? I mean, again, I I imagine if his teammates didn't want him to take that role. He wouldn't have it. One thing about Russ throughout the league, he has tremendous respect among his peers. That's that's one thing that's never left. Even when he was struggling with the Lakers, um, you know, even you know the 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 few times he struggled with the few periods he struggled with the Clippers, the respect is always there. People love Russ, and I'm talking about in the NBA as peers. And so um, he he's always they're always open to listening to him speak, and because he's going to go out there and give him his all. Like, is he going to make the right play all the time? Is he going to make some mistakes? Yeah, I think that that comes with the way that he plays basketball. It's like a a, a reckless style of play, but um, they know his heart is always in the right place. And you know, again with him going to Coach Lou and telling him, "Hey, I think it's best for me to come off the bench, allow James Harden to go out there and flourish." and you know, that that's what has happened. And so, uh, you know, with Russ, man, like he he's in a he's in a good place. He's a really good place, man. I think um, I remember we were doing our pod, Stein, and it was when James Harden came over. And that was before we didn't know how things were going to play out. We knew something had to change. And I was you know, I didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't know how. Well, listen. I knew how it was going to play. I knew eventually Russ would have to go to a reserve role, but I didn't know how he was going to take it. And he not only has he taken it well, he's um he's he's playing really good. He's playing really good in that role and he's he's still being impactful with his voice and his leadership. And so that's cool. That's kind of cool to see up front. Um Stein, another another um note on SGA, right? And so I didn't get to use this as well, but I spoke with Chris Paul, who is recovering from his hand surgery. Uh, I had a, a conversation with him, phone conversation with him the day of the game. And, uh, you know, I was just basically asking him, like, like, how was it playing with him that year? And when you knew that he was going to be the future, but you guys are both point guards, like, how did you try to still – play your game, but make sure you didn't step on his toes. He said, he said, first of all, when I, when I went over to OKC, we started working out. I wanted to get inside of his head. And he said, SGA loves basketball. And he said, if you love basketball, 
I love being around you. That's what Chris Paul told me. He said, so that made it easy. He said, but he said he did feel like he had an obligation to not only teach him what he knew, but also allow him the freedom to to play that position as much as he could when they both shared the court and play it, you know, with some freedom, allow him to do, make mistakes, not get on them. And, you know, that was the first time in a while where Chris Paul, his other stops, it was championship expectations. And now, you, you know, in OKC, that was a, a, a time where they, they surprised people. They surprised people with, with the, with the season that they had. And so he said it was a delicate balance of trying to mentor, trying to give him freedom, trying to help enhance his game. He said, but one thing, he said, offensively, he said, I didn't have to do much. He said, defensively, that's where he had to get on SGA's ass. He said, he he said he used to like, he said, if you talk to SGA, which I didn't at that point, he said, talk to SGA, ask him about how much I got on him throughout the season on the defensive end. He said, I felt like he was not, uh, putting forth the effort or didn't know how to put forth the effort on that end um, when they when they were around. And now you look at SGA, leader in steals, leader in deflections, and, you know, that's something that he said he, he saw in him back then. And so he said it was a privilege to, to watch him and, and uh, to, have a, to have a part in his development. But he said uh, SGA made it even more easier for him when he came along because that was – you know, just where Chris Paul is at in his age and his stature and where Shea and the rest of that group was, he said it was kind of a tricky situation for both sides, but they they made it work. In your time with the Clippers, did you register any, did you see any tangible joy from Kawhi Leonard one week after him signing his big contract extension? I don't think we will see any tangible joy if he won the billion-dollar lottery. You know, I, I don't think you'll see that from Kawhi. I thought you were going in a different direction. I thought you were go- going to say, did I see any joy in P.J. Tucker? Well, I have a suspicion I know how that story would turn out. But since you brought it up, please tell us what your read on the latest with P.J. Tucker is because you know he definitely is a name that people have their eye on. Will the Clippers try to trade him? Obviously, he has one more year on his contract after this season, which complicates their ability to trade him. But all right, you tell us what what's going on with PJ. Nothing has changed. He wants to play. He wants to play for a contending team, whether that is the Clippers or somewhere else. And um, you know, being around him, you, you see you seeing him on the bench and he's a little bit more quiet, uh, a little bit more quieter than I've ever really seen him, but that's because he's not playing, but he still has a, he's still vocal when he feel when he sees something. I, I see points throughout the game where he may, uh, he may suggest something to a player. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's just in the background, just waiting on, waiting on the move. And the Clippers know how PJ feels. They, they understand they they are still as of right now they are still hoping that pj would um just understand that they're going to need him down the road teams have called in teams have called the clippers checking in to see what it would take uh those type of scenarios i, I don't know concrete that there have been offers but teams are called have called in on pj the Clippers, as of right now, are not interested in doing anything, but there's still time left for those calls to to become increasingly more serious where um, serious offers will be presented. But uh, I can tell you right now, as things stand, P.J. believes that he has uh, a lot of game left. He can help a contending team, and that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to sit on the bench. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So during this game, you confessed to us now, were you just constantly by the Clipper huddle or did you uh, sneak in on some Thunder huddles too? I snuck in on Thunder huddles, but you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, again, you know, the, the younger teams, they, they are, they're pretty quiet. Uh, like, for sure. Gotta- they do not want you over there. The Thunder. Hey, hey, Ty Lue doesn't care, but I promise you without even asking, I'm sure the Thunder do not want you in the, want you in their huddle. They did not remove me. They did not. No, they can't. You belong. You, I mean, you have the license to be there. I'm just saying they don't like it. Yeah, that might be the case. My guy, Matt Tumbleson, you know what, you know, that's my dude over there at OKC. He was, he was right there. Um, in the vicinity of where I was at when I would go over there and check in on the um, OKC huddles, but no, I didn't have any. I didn't have any problems. It was um, it's a really good group of guys. And again, it's a young guys. You know, a lot of times, like I said, like um, when you have an old veteran, experienced group, those are probably your more vocal guys. You're going to get more substance out of those type of huddles, um, opposed to a, a young, quiet team. I'm trying to think, who's probably the, the vocal? Yeah, not even. I mean, you probably would think Dort is probably vocal, but nah, not really. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the coaches. The coaches are, you know, are the are the vocal presence in those huddles for OKC. And so I was running around Tuesday night. I didn't see any of the game. What was your James Harden report during the game? James Harden. So I spoke with James Harden before the game because um, I had heard. Uh, um, I had heard a tidbit, so I was like, "Let me go talk to James before and uh, before the game." And the tidbit I heard is that like uh, he wants to sign a long-term deal in the summer uh, with the Clippers. I'm like, "Huh, okay, let me go check." So I went to him before the game, and he sure enough, he was like, "Yes, I, I wanted. This is where I want to end my career." He said Kawhi got his extension done. He said, "I know Paul is working on his, and once they get that solidified." He said, I'm hoping I'm next in line over the summer. You know, he can't, James Harden can't do an extension. It's, you know, the way his contract was structured, um, the last deal with Philly, that didn't allow for such an extension to to be implemented. So he'll be a free agent this summer. So, you know, he's hoping that he can get something um, long-term done with the Clippers. Um, he said that, he told me that him, Paul George, Kawhi, they've, they've talked about, like, playing multiple years together and doing something special with that new arena that's uh, Intuit Dome that's going to be in play um, next season. You know, they, they've they already talked about that. You know, they're they they they're invested. You know, they're really invested in trying to see this thing through. And so uh, he said, yeah, I know I, I might have – he said, how do you – I'm trying – I want to try to quote him correctly, but he said something along the lines to me about – I know I probably said that at my last stop. <laughs> he said, but y'all, y'all know the cut, you know, he said, y'all know the shit that happened, you know, you know, along the way over there, which got me to go in a different path. But he's, he talked about how Ty Lue 
to him is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He said it has the best, best one of the best medical staffs that he's been a part of here at the Clippers, and you know have you know his his LA guys here. Uh, he said it makes all the sense in the world. He said I'm happy. They let me do my thing, and um, you know he just loves being home. So you know that was the first of him saying anything like that. Yeah, I think it's going to happen too. I think he's exactly right. Kawhi did his extension around the league. Everyone expects Paul George to do a deal sooner rather than later. And James Harden, as you noted, he cannot do an in-season extension, but when he's a free agent, the widely held assumption already is that that will be a one-team pursuit and that James Harden will re-sign with the Clippers. I think that's a pretty safe prognostication at this point. And next, man, I can't wait to see the Intuit Dome. You know, I was, when I covered the Lakers, they played in Inglewood. It's been a long time since I've covered an NBA game in Inglewood. I cannot wait to see. And I've seen some of the clips of the Intuit Dome, but I have not been there and cannot wait to see how this thing turns out. Owner Steve Ballmer says going to have the most urinals of any arena in the country. I'm looking forward to checking those urinals. Style, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. This is going to be weird. I I hate to um, even admit this. But it was already weird when you said you can't wait to check out those urinals. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with that. You can, keep, you can keep it weird, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm going to keep it weird. This is this league uncut. You know, this is family. Everybody's listening. When I was younger, my mom used to think I was strange for doing this. And she, she, you know, I probably was. But when I was young, I would say six, seven, eight. Every time we went out to a restaurant, the first thing I would do was go check the restroom out. I don't know why. I just go check the restroom out. I just wanted to see how clean the restroom was. So I think this is probably six, seven, eight, nine years old. That was my go-to. Like I wanted to go see how clean the restroom. I guess, and it was really restaurants. So I guess that was my way of kind of trying to decide before I ate the food, if the food was going to be any good or not. I think the restroom, how clean the restroom was, was kind of a, a indicator of how well the food was going to, how, how good the food was going to be. And I think oftentimes, from my own analytic um, process. Your, da- your database. Yeah, my database. I think most of the time when it was a clean restroom, the food was amazing. But when... The restroom was, you know, shitty. The food was shitty. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. How these urinals? Well, I think the urinals gonna be nice, at least at least early on at Into It Dome. That's gonna be nice. But I'm looking forward to the process of what months and months go by. Are these urinals still going to be plush? Are you with me, Star? I'm in shock right now. I cannot believe, <laughs> as we're nearing the one-year anniversary of this show, that we just ended a show with a solid three minutes on stadium urinals. I'm really glad that you forced producer Ryan to turn his camera on now during these segments so we can see his absolutely shocked reaction to this ending that was definitely unscripted and uncut. This was not in the pre-show notes that this is how we were going to end this show. Well, Stein, producer Ryan was actually nodding his head and, and it looked like he was he understood my premise. He understood my process as a kid of looking, you know, going into the restrooms and checking out the facility before I ate the food. So it looked like he under producer Ryan, if you could chime in. I, I no, think you know, am I, think, I right? I think we're gonna let you guys hash that out off air. <laughs> I think we've subjected the, the audience to enough. <laughs> Because I was, re- I kind of what I was expecting is that you were going to say, "Yeah, you know, I, I really can't wait to get my tour of the Intuit Dome." Like we saw a bunch of media that was invited there the other day for All Star no, and everything. No, no, Stein, Stein, listen. That's what I thought. I, 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 Stein, I can't be the only one who thinks that way because Steve Ballmer himself, he's the one that made it public that is going to be the all time most urinals in the country. Well, now I know when we. If if we ever get Steve Ballmer to join us on this pod, now I know what. The he first said he'll do it. By the be. way, he said he'll do it. I I, I talked to him a couple of days ago. He said he'll do it. Did you? Did he really? Got it. Yeah. Yep. He said he'll do it. So I got to work that out with the um, Clippers PR. All right. Well, 
I would love to have him on, so I guess I will put up with the urinal discussion. <laughs> and we will. We will talk about that. We're going we to do a deep dive with Steve <laughs> Barber on urinals. <laughs> what on earth happened oh, to this show? Man. We were off to such a good We're start. uncut. This is uncut, this baby. This league uncut. This <laughs> league won't. off the rails. All right. <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of This League Uncut. Mark Stein with Chris Haynes. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Please remember, if you haven't already, follow the show, rate the show, review the show. We'd love a five-star rating from you anywhere you get your pods, whether that's Apple, Spotify, you know where to register all that stuff. And Chris and I, we will be back with you again very, very soon as trade season continues to deliver deal after deal after deal and we've got just under three weeks to go stay tuned talk soon everyone and that'll do it for us see you next time this league uncut is an iHeartRadio production boom shakalaka chris haynes and mark stein At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.